We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Entering the Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2021 Valero Texas Open. First look and research. Remember, out there, smash the like button and subscribe to Mayo Media Network. Those are the first things that you can do to help out the show. In the comment section, give me your early lean for the Valero Texas Open. Remember, this is the last chance to get into the Masters, which is in two weeks. By the way, so anyone who wins this event that is not previously qualified for the Masters will gain an invitation. It's the last one up for grabs because at the end of the match play, that's going to be it for the top 50 in ties or top 50 in the world rankings to end up getting their invitation to Augusta. So last chance for a lot of guys in this field who are not previously invited to play for golf's highest sartorial honor. So please smash the like, subscribe, leave the early lean in the comment section. Also, here's something I need all of you to do, okay? I started a newsletter for Mayo Media Network. You can find that link in the description of this video and podcast. If you join the email list right now, you're in a draw for one of two $100 giveaways. All you need to do is just put in your email address after clicking the link. It takes approximately four seconds, and that could win you $100 if you get your email drawn from the draw that we're going to be doing. I think we're going to be doing it either next week or the week after the Masters, so go join that email newsletter now. And here's the thing. It's full of cool promotions, maybe some exclusive content, but I'm going to be giving away some Masters gear, uh, some of the stuff that you've been seeing me wear on the show, Jeff wear on the show. I actually have some other stuff still in the package that I will be putting into that newsletter, and the only way that you can get your hands on some of this master's gear is by joining the newsletter. So please go do that right now. It's up on Substack. I promise you it's not going to be spam filled and coming all the time. But if I got something to tell you, something to update you on, then boom, just 
get the newsletter and you'll be good to go. A lot of links in there too. I did a baseball show on the weekend with Kyle Murray and David Jones. If you're interested in playing DraftKings baseball this season, I suggest you go check that out. Challenge Fantasy League is back up too. That's all up on the podcast feed and Mayo Media Network. The big thing here is beyond the Listener's League link on DraftKings this week in the description of the pod. Lots of stuff down in that description, by the way. Uh, It's 3,500 spots this week for the Listener's League link. No rake, $15 to play. Let's fill it early this time. Uh, that way we can have it huge for the Masters because if we don't fill it up very early this time, I doubt that we're going to be able to max it out for the Masters. So please go do that now. I already got my three entries in, so dead money in the pot already. But also there is a brand new one and done starting at the Masters. It's major season one and done because a lot of you, like myself, have been awful in the one and done so far so this way i believe it's 17 events it goes from the masters all the way through the open championship so you can use all the studs that you want it's a hundred dollars to play there is 1150 spots available in this one and done you go to fangolfchampionships.com or fantasy golf champ i'll put the link in the description how about that uh, let's see here fan Yeah, fangolfchamps.com and go get your entry right now. It's the first that people are hearing about this, although somehow 35 people have already signed up, including myself. So the entries are going to go super quickly in this, so you might as well get your spot now to play in that one and done, especially if you're out of the other one. Like, you're probably not going to come back at this point in the race to see who can win that 30K, at least this one. You you have a shot to win just by entering it right now. Also, fantasynational.com slash mayo for 20% off. Masters is almost here. You're probably going to want to get all the stats and tools to help you make the best of all of the decisions. Valero Texas Open, the field, 144 players are entered. The top 65 in ties are going to make the cut. And the field is stronger than you would probably expect. Better than the field at the Honda, better than the field at Pebble Beach, but it's probably around like what the American Express had with one bit of a difference. Uh, after getting Kevin Nad on Friday in the match play, Dustin Johnson decided, hey, I'm going to go play the Valero Texas Open. I think it's the first time that he's played this event since the crazy wind year in 2014, which made everyone kind of reassess the situation on DraftKings and really believe in wave stacks. Because I think that year... There was a huge difference between the AM and PM wave stack. Like It was brutal in the morning that year. Carlos Ortiz and Dustin Johnson were really the only two guys who were able to fight their way out of that wave and get inside like the top 15 overall for the tournament. Uh, you had like nine guys WD after round one. I think there was like a four or five shot difference between the morning wave and the PM wave. It's still the most pronounced wave split that we've ever seen at a tournament. And then people always jog that in their memory when they think about wave split. And usually, like, you know, even at the most extreme of times, you know, two shots would be super extreme. So we've never actually seen anything like that. But wind is in play at this venue. And it's you get that Texas wind out of nowhere. But the problem here is that it's a very exposed course. So the wind really makes a huge difference and it's a pretty hard course to begin with to tell you the truth we didn't see it last season on the pga tour the last time it was here Corey connors qualified on a monday one at 20 under par see woo kim was actually leading going into the final round that year trying to go wire to wire couldn't pull it off a final round 72 got the best of siwoo kim but Corey connors got his only career win qualified for the masters and obviously he's back in the masters this time around so he should be good to go but minus 20 he was the winner andrew landry uh in 2018 at minus 17 uh jeff hit that one on the outright like 175 to one i had my guy trey mullenix fired the course record that year and then could not get it up and down on 17 the drivable number 17 uh 
put it short side on the side of the bunker and then tried to get it over the bunker. Couldn't do it. It was like a line drive into the bunker, and that was the end of old Trey Mullenix. Chapel won at minus 12 in 2017. Charlie Hoffman minus 12. Jimmy Walker at minus 11 in 2015. Then Bodo, Stephen Bodich, minus 8 in 2014. Party Marty Laird in minus 14. So... I guess Jimmy Walker, the year that he won, would have been one of the heavy favorites. Kevin Chappell was actually one of the favorites the year that he ended up winning. I think he was top 10 in terms of odds. He had been playing so great going into it. Then his odds were like 20 to 1 or 22 to 1. Everyone looked at it and was like, nope, no thank you on this one. And then, of course, he ends up going to win. But some longer shots uh, have taken down this tournament because it's pretty difficult. You don't get the strongest end fields. Like I mentioned, Dustin Johnson is going to be here. Spieth, Hideki, Answer, Finau, Con. Honors Scheffler. Uh, we'll see what happens with Scheffler in the match play. I'm not quite sure what has happened in that because I am recording it before the conclusion. Uh, he was winning in his match in the semifinals the last time that I looked. So maybe if he wins, he ends up sitting this out. I doubt it though. Brian Harmon, see, woo, Kim. Uh, Ryan Palmer, Lonto, Matt Wallace, Sebastian Munoz, Gary Woodland. Interesting on him. Matt Kuchar, Bernd Wiesberger, Danny Willett, and Cameron Champ. Ricky Fowler needs to win to get into the Masters. So be curious to see how he ends up doing in this tournament and then like you, know, you have your generic second tier of player in this tournament the Keegan Bradley Tringali Chris Kirk Sam Burns wouldn't be stunned Cam Davis wouldn't be stunned if the winner came out of that pile uh, the past champions playing they're all mostly here Chapel, Zach Johnson, Steele, Charlie Hoffman, Jimmy Walker, Martin Laird. Stenson is playing. No idea where his game is at at the moment. Then you have like four uh, sponsors exemptions in the field. Uh, Austin Eckerat is playing. I know that I butchered that name. Uh, he only has two starts uh, technically on the PGA Tour. One was in the U.S. Open a few years back, did not perform well, but was T12 in his only PGA start this season at Mayakoba back in the fall. So interesting to look at there. Uh, Akshi Bhatia back in the field as well. Was it kind of in the mix at Pebble Beach for a while? He ended up coming T30, was top 10 at the Safeway in the first event in the season back in September. I actually think the Safeway is kind of a sneaky course to look at because when we're talking about stats for this course, a lot of it is going to be driving distance and ball striking. Uh, it's just one of those types of courses. Driving actually means a lot more at this course than it does at most courses. Approach, obviously, when we go and look at uh, how it's been dictated over the years between top 10, top 5, and the winner, you're going to see approach like every other course, lead the way uh, in terms of the tee to green metrics. But driving actually closes the gap a little bit more at Valero than most courses. Uh, and as we've seen, you know, you know, Connors, I mean, Landry, when he's going right, uh, is actually quite good off the tee. Chapel at the time was very good. Charlie Hoffman, sort of a primo ball striker, especially for the time that he was playing. Jimmy Walker as well. It would lead me towards like a Keegan Bradley type. You know, maybe he can make some putts. Who knows? But he's another player who's pretty good in the wind. And I have no idea what the wind is going to look like this week in San Antonio. But if it does pick up, Keegan's been playing some pretty good golf lately, to tell you the truth. And the ball striking has really returned after a bit of a lull. Just a guy can't make a putt anymore. Uh, for one round, he can like make a putt, but over the course of four rounds, not really happening. But as we've seen in the past, every once and again, Keegan just comes out of nowhere and gains like five strokes putting and he tends to win in those weeks. So if he can keep that going, I don't mind that middle tier. Probably not going to be a huge investment week for me to tell you the truth. Just, you know, I want to save some bullets for the Masters, although I don't have any bets in on the Masters yet. Do you guys have any idea? for the Masters? Because I don't. I, I got to wait till these odds actually adjust a little bit because I, I looked at it before I came on the show and I think there were 
14 players with odds worse than 20 to 1. Like, that's just not going to stick at Augusta by the time the week rolls around. So we'll see what kind of value we get on some of those players. Brennan Grace is another one that I was looking at here as well. Obviously, if the wind picks up, you're going to like Brennan Grace. He won the alternate event a few weeks back. Well, not a few weeks back, not like a month or so ago. But he had been playing pretty well, uh, especially in the ball striking department. If you look at his numbers from the Players' Championship, they're not great because I think he rinsed three balls in the second round and it just completely killed his strokes gained approach. The player is a really weird one to try to extract any information from because one bad shot can be so devastating at that course that all of a sudden you're not looking so great. So Brennan Grace uh, on the radar here, the year that Kevin Chappell won. I believe he was tied with Chappell going into the third round. Maybe it was after the second round, but he was very much in the mix, and that was a good year for him as well. Um, It was a complete year after winning the Heritage, so... Brennan Grace playing a lot better right now. The course itself is TPC San Antonio. It's a Greg Norman design uh, in conjunction with Sergio Garcia, of all people. It's been used since 2010 at this event. It's 7,435 yards, a par 72. Champion Bermuda overseeded with Poa and Velvety Bentgrass. So, uh, Bermuda, I guess. I don't know what the fuck you look for on these things. It's just starting to really get confusing at this point because all these tournaments get switched around throughout the course of the season. Like something like the players where it was once pure Bermuda, then it was like changed into March, so they had to overseed it so the greens wouldn't get destroyed. Just look at, we don't even look at putting all that much anyway, so who really cares? Uh, But ball striking wise is where you want to go with on this. Strokes gained, ball striking, opportunities gained, driving distance gained, and par fives gained. Uh, Like I said, driving and driving distance by and large actually does go a long way at this course to really trying to figure it out. Let's jump over to Fantasy National to take a quick look at this, the past course conditions, and we'll take a look at the course breakdown. So in 2019, uh, moderate wind. The year before that, the final two or the first two rounds, very, very windy. Same as 2017, very, very windy. Uh, 2015, that was the year that I was thinking of, I think. Yeah. Or maybe it was round one in 2013. Maybe it was, yeah, no, yeah, it was round one, 2015. Uh, windy AF, firm and difficult to score. So this course can play very difficult. It can play easy from time to time, depending on the conditions. So you can run a mixed condition model for a lot of this stuff. Like the scoring relative to par was very easy the last time that we saw it. Uh, and then sometimes you're going to find it to be incredibly difficult from time to time. So uh, it kind of shows its teeth a lot of the time. There's guys that can really take themselves out of tournaments when we look at this course too over time. Like, for example, uh, from 2010 to 2019, it was super difficult uh, if you were certain people. Like, this is the course where Kevin Na got stuck in the trees and took a 16 on a hole. Uh, it's been the second toughest course to hit greens and regulation besides Riviera. Uh, since 2010, the front nine historically way more difficult than the back nine. Since 2010 to 2018, uh, <laughs> the front nine has played plus 3,000. 704 over par to just 730 over par on the back nine. In that same span, it had more triple bogeys or worse, 289 as a whole course. That would be third of any course over that time besides Sawgrass and PJ National, two courses riddled with water. Not a whole lot of water on this course. So it can get going really bad for you in a hurry at uh, TPC San Antonio, uh, the Oaks course, by the way, AT&T Oaks, and it's a sponsored course. 
But uh, it can also be very easy if you're striking it well, too. So it's going to be a huge split based on what we've seen over time. Here is the course breakdown for the holes. As you can see, number the drivable par 4 17th. Uh, it doesn't give up many eagles, but uh, a few years back, I can't even remember the year now, I think it was 2016, John, uh-huh. Ended up going minus three over the final two holes because the final hole is actually a par five. Uh, they're not super eagleable par fives. Number 14 is uh, over a 2% uh, eagle rate on that hole. But other than that, um, the other par fives are pretty long, to tell you the truth. And some of them don't even play, like, uh, as you can see, the par five eighth plays over par uh, historically. And where's the other one? You know, the 18th plays relative to par. It's you know, very low. It only has a 28 or 25%, sorry, birdie percentage. There's that little creek in front of the hole that can cause some problems and help you bogey it out. But a lot of pars on that hole where you wouldn't really expect players to really be going after it. Some players can get there if they have a lot of distance. That's why weighted driving distance gained. Although we've seen a lot of short players do well. I think that's just a product of the field, though. Um, American Express would be another place that I would look at besides Safeway. I know those are two Cal. California courses, but I've just seen a lot of similar names pop up at the top of leaderboards at both those places. So the par 5 14th is the easiest hole on the course. Like I said, 2% eagle rate, 41% birdie rate, and then 17 is a 30% birdie rate and just a sub 1%. That's a par 4. Um, so if we just kind of go through it and take a look at how everything is distributed, you have three par threes, uh, although none of them super easy, none of them super hard, but measure between 165 and 170 yards. So they're all relatively the same length. That would boost up the 150 to 175 par three territory if you wanted to include that into a model. The other one, one of the hardest holes on the course, the 223 yard par three, number 13. Uh, the other short par four on the course is number five, 200 and, or sorry, 327 yards. Uh, the fourth easiest hole on the course, a 24% birdie rate. So not, although it's shorter, it's not quite as easy as number 17. As you can see, there's still an 11% bogey or almost a 12% bogey rate on that hole versus a 9% on the other one. And the birdie rate isn't quite as high. So it's more of a par hole than you'd imagine, but some guys can take advantage of that. And then other than that, you have, some pretty difficult ones. Um, number 10, 4, 15, and 9 are all amongst the hardest holes on the course. Uh, and you can even see hole number 1 also very difficult. So there's just a lot of bogeys to be made, some really crooked numbers. If you can avoid those, you're going to be looking pretty good. So like I mentioned before, as you can see, the split between off the tee, uh, 0.555 per round gain amongst top 10 finishers, 0.966 on approach for the top 10 finishers. It's usually like two, two and a half times distributed between how much uh, approach is versus off the tee. And we're just not seeing that at that course. Maybe if we shrink it a little bit, top five, no, it gets even closer at that point as off the tee becomes even more influential around the green becomes a little bit less, but you can't be crappy around the greens here. It's going to be a true test tee to green to figure it out. Par fives, uh, more influential. It's been flat between par threes and par fours. And then we look at the whole composition. If you want to take advantage of this course, there are six par fours from 400 to 450 yards. That's where you're going to have to make your bone at this course and not give them away on the par fours from 400 to 500 yards. I mentioned there are two of the par fives over 600 yards, so take Eagle out of play for those ones. Uh, a lot of those are three-shot par fives. 
We take the average shot distribution. As you can see, it's pretty flat between 150 to 175, 175 to 200. Outside of the par threes, it's mainly going to be 75 to 200. As you can see, 18 or 17.5 percent of approach shots come from that distance. 23 point or 20.3 from 150 to 175. But again, par threes influence that a lot. And then you have your par fives directly influencing the over 200 plus, but a lot of those are just going to be layups to tell you the truth. So not huge in that regard. Cut line the past few years, even in 2019, plus two, plus one, plus one. Then you had plus seven in 2015. That was the crazy wind year, plus four the year before that. So I'm guessing it's going to be right around even, although it did seem to play a lot easier in 2019 versus uh, a lot of the rest. Driving accuracy way down. That's why I leaned on distance at this course. If you can find someone who's long and straight, like Dustin Johnson, for example, that's awesome. There are very few players on tour like that. So strokes gained off the tee will be uh, a lot out there. But we've just seen a lot of longer hitters do well at this course over time, even if that really is their only skill. That does bail them out of a lot of opportunities because so few people actually hit the fairway to begin with. Only 56% in terms of driving accuracy and then 58% in terms of green regulation. So you're going to have to get it up and down. Although scrambling here a little bit easier than it is on your average tour event. Uh, average three putts per round, right around the same, and average driving distance a little bit longer than you would normally expect. And we talk about the length of this course, and it's over 72, what is it, Seventy over 7,400 yards, sorry, 7,435. A lot of that is baked into these par fives, you know, 607, 593, 577. Uh, and on certain days on the scorecard, that two of those are going to play over 600 yards. So a lot of the distance is baked in those holes that it's not quite as long as maybe it seems. Like you get something like Riviera where you have that really, I guess there are two short par fours here, so maybe that makes up for it a little bit. But you know, the shorter par fives at Riviera and the short par four at Riviera really mask how long the par fours are. So it does play a little bit longer than you'd expect, especially when you mix in the different elevation changes from the course. Let's take a quick break so I can tell you about Magic Spoon, because you know that I've been trying to cut down on carbs and sugar and unhealthy food somewhat successfully. Not all the way successfully, by the way. But I basically realized I couldn't eat anything anymore. So protein shakes, the powders, that's not really going to get me the protein I like, because I hate it so much before and after the workouts. So I just made the switch to Magic Spoon because it has all the amazing flavors that I love, but without any of the bad stuff. Zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. Only 140 calories per serving, too. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. We've got exciting news. Magic Spoon will be releasing two new amazing flavors this month, for a limited time only, we're talking about cookies and cream and maple waffle. And if that isn't the most comforting, indulgent combination, then I don't know what it is. This is the ultimate treat yourself combo. So make sure you get some while you can, because it's only on for a limited time. Or you can just build your own box. Available flavors to build your very own custom bundle are coca, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, and cinnamon. If you're listening from Canada, Magic Spoon now ships there as well. Great news for me. Uh, I highly suggest you get fruity, by the way, because it rules and it's the best. You should definitely get fruity. Don't even worry about the, the box to build on your own. Just get a whole bunch of fruity Magic Spoon. So go to magicspoon.com slash mayo to grab a new limited edition cookies and cream, maple waffle, or a custom bundle of cereal to try out today. And be sure to use our code, promo code code MAYO 
at checkout to save $5 off your order. This offer is good anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, but only when you use code MAYO at checkout. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, I can back them on that, because it's back with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash mayo and use the code mayo to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Let's jump over to the stats and the field for this event. Let's see what I had cooked up back in the day for the custom stat model for the Valero Texas Open. Oh, it's pretty solid. Well, that's good to know. I think he was spitting me out Trey Mullenix, and he did cash the each way, so that was a really nice hit for me. Not like it would be for Andrew Landry when he ended up winning, but, you know, still. It also spit out Corey Connors, but he was a late add to the field. I don't think he was eligible to take on DraftKings, or he was a late add. I know he was. You could use him on DraftKings. I remember producer Paul ended up using him. I bet him first round later and didn't bet him to win the event like a jabroni and ended up losing that way, but Paul won a bunch of money at Valero that week on DraftKings because so few people had Connors yeah off the tee approach ball striking I just throw that all in proximity 150 I had those weighted at zero I just wanted to look at those as I was going through tee to green 5% around the green 5% so off the tee 10 approach 15 ball striking 30 so just really overweighting that part of the day game driving distance 10% par fives 10% I'm going to take down par fives in the 5%, and I'm going to throw in that key par 3 range just to see if that gives me something different, and I'll weight that at 5%. Opportunities gain 15%. I want guys who want to go out here and make some birdies, and we'll see over the past 50 rounds who this spits out for us. Hopefully people that I like. Hopefully Keegan Bradley so I can lose all my money on Keegan Bradley this week. That's always fun. I mean, whenever I bet Keegan Bradley, that's usually how it turns out for me. So over the past 50 rounds with these parameters, Dustin, Finau, Burns, Cam Davis, Charlie Hoffman, Keegan Bradley, C, woo, Kim, Corey Connors, Luke List, who was a WD in Putacana this week. So keep an eye on him to see if he actually ends up playing. Uh, Cameron Tringali, number 10, Werner, Matsuyama, Scotty Scheffler, Palmer, Norlander, Lanto, the Gim Ripa, Neesmith, Vegas, Kirk, Champ, Ryan Moore, Seb Straka, Steele, EVR, and Doc Redman. Those are your top 26 over the past 50 rounds. Let's shrink that down to past 12 just to see what it spits us out. And a lot of the problems with the stats right now is... We're not going to have good info, like official info for the match play, so that won't get updated. Putacana doesn't have shot link data, so we won't have that information. And the players is just really stupid and really kind of throws everything and makes it all wacky. So you might want to look a little bit longer term. But if I go past 12 rounds, it's looking like Finau, Lewis, Connor, Scheffler, Cam Davis, Answer, Hoffman, Keegan, Roger Sloan, who's in the mix in Putacana, I think, Harry Higgs. Then you got Steele. I mean, Steele continues to pop up. He's a former winner here. Tringali, Lanto, Spieth, Duncan, Werner, Wallace, Harmon, Palmer, and Chris Kirk. Sam Ryder just after that as well. Curious to see what happens with Cameron Champ, who ranks out number 22nd. And again, he's a guy with a lot of length. I have no idea how he's played here over time. And trying to judge what the opening odds are going to be for this event is just kind of crazy. Dustin entering, and if Dustin doesn't win, obviously, is going to be pretty good for us. I think it's going to help us out a lot, and especially with the narrative that Ricky needs to win this week, that he might get bumped up in the odds as well. And if Scheffler still plays and he and Kucher are both in the 
are both in this event that if they do end up winning the match play, that maybe their odds get juiced up a little bit. Maybe that will help out the rest of the field. So here's Steele. I mean, Steele's been playing pretty well. It's been hit or miss. So throw out the players, you know, had a bad Genesis, had a bad AT&T, but Honda, the approach was good. So was the putting. The approach at Arnold Palmer, very good. And driving wise, he has been really, really good. I want to take a look at Safeway from this year too, because I kind of identified that as a tournament that you might want to look at. One that Brennan Steele has won twice, by the way. So let's take a look. Safe way. Uh, he won it back-to-back in 2016 and 2015. As you can see, ball striking, ball striking, ball striking. That's how he ended up doing there. So how did the players who are potentially in this field do at the last two Safeway Opens, and how did they get there? Sink won this year. I mean, just to, if that's those are the type of stats we're looking for. Huh? There's Harry Higgs and Shez Reevy, Kevin Streelman, another player who's played really well at the Oaks course over the years, Sam Burns, Doc Redman, Stewart, who has a top 10, I believe, in 2019 or 2018 at the Oaks course. So, okay, and there's Batia. Knox, a good wind player. Oh, the Chinese bad boy, Zing Zhang. Seb Straka, Doug Gim was 14th up there. Now, Gim has been playing really well recently. Steele, Gracie... Harold Varner, Cam Davis. All right, so some of the names that we kind of like on a week-to-week basis. Cam Champ won the Safeway the year before that. Uh, great off the tee, good on approach. I think Cam Champ is going to be one of my early leans uh, and just kind of roll the dice that he can get everything back together. It really feels like a roll the dice week. Like If you're not going to take one of the favorites, there's not a ton separating a lot of from like the ninth best player to the 50th best player because you're going to see a lot of these guys in the field. I think Hadwin's in the field. I'm not sure, though. Nick Taylor probably will be. Fratelli, uh, a Texas guy. Obviously, it broke our hearts when he lost in the round of 16 at the match play as we had money on him. But it was nice to see that he had played well. Did not play well in that round. Morikawa is not playing. Hubbard just had a baby. Shout out Hubba Hubbard. Um, Homeless hub. So he has withdrawn from the field. There's Corey Connors. Pops up at the Safeway. Uh, Adam Scott, a former winner at the Valero Texas Open at this course back in 2010. Lonto, Harold Verner. Maybe I'll throw HV3. On this list, if it gets really windy, like we just saw with Matt Jones at the at PGA National, he's a former winner of the Australian Open. Uh, so is Harold Varner. So is Abraham Answers. So pretty good win players. There's Brian Stewart again. Oh my God, Snedeker. It was the last time he was on a leaderboard. Landry, who's won this event, kind of pops up. Uh, Adam Long, Harry Higgs once again. Maybe we go back to Harry Higgs. Generally... Probably comes in like maybe 60 to 1 doesn't seem like a good number for him. But yeah, maybe it's a YOLO week. Just say fuck it. Just take a few long shots and hope the very top end guys don't do well. Is Shez in the field? I'd go back to Shez. Shez is not playing. Killa Keith is there, though. Shank, Scheffler, Chesson Hadley. Like the Chesson Hadley types on paper, like when Chesson Hadley was good, would be the type of player that I would want here. How's Cameron Champ been recently? Missed the cut at the players? Bad. Missed the cut at the Arnold Palmer? Bad. WGC Mexico, not terrible, actually. Ball striking, couldn't chip and couldn't putt. You know, it's always going to be a struggle for him on the greens. Has he played this event before? Valero, 73rd. It wasn't a disaster putting over four rounds. He made the cup, but it wasn't good by any means. Did he play the Safeway this year? No, he did not play the Safeway. Now, it's been a really rough go for Cameron Champ. (laughs) Things have not been good, but it's a lot similar to like his lead up to the Safeway last time around. Miscut, 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 21st, 63rd. 28th, 1st. 
So he's just a highly volatile player. As long as he's gaining off the tee, which he's doing, not as much as you'd like, but if he can really get the driver going, and we've seen that in the past, uh, he's someone who's probably going to be triple digits in this event. And Varner might be down in like the 90 to 1, 100 to 1 area too, but I think that his underlying numbers have actually been a lot better after a really rough start to the season. Where are you at? HV3? And he's just someone we'd all like to see win. Yeah, 19th at Honda, really good off the tee. 61st of the players, really good off the tee. Made the cut, made the cut. So four straight made cuts for him after you know a rough start to the season. Missed cut, 13th, not bad. And then a missed cut, again, which came down to chipping and putting, at least uh, at Pebble Beach, where he was not. I guess he played Spyglass. Yeah, I used him that week. He was terrible at Spyglass. But again, the numbers that we're seeing, really good off the tee, and that's what we want to target this week. Uh, and Harry Higgs just overall has been really good. I'm not sure how he was at PGA National. And 19th at Honda, the approach has been really good for him. If he can figure out the driving, which long-term-wise was something he was really good at for a stretch, uh, second at the Safeway, drove the ball really well there, that you know, combined with these really good irons, maybe this is a week you can get it all on the same page. And who wouldn't want to see Harry Higgs at Augusta? That would be fantastic. And let's not overlook Charlie Hoffman. Like At one point in time, even during the course of me doing this show, that he was like Mr. Texas, and the ball striking has been really good. He's in the mix. Uh, in Putacana, not sure again what his result is going to be, but he'll be overvalued, I think, in the betting market, especially if he does finish well in Putacana. So tough to see in that regard. Let's just take a look at the tournament history for the Valero Texas Open. Once again, if you go back and look throughout time, you probably don't want to go back too far in time looking at it uh, because it's only been at since 2010 at this course. And this is only the second time, I believe, that it's been the week before the Masters. This used to be the slot for the Houston Texas Open. So the past five, you know, going back to 2015, because there was no 2020 event, Jimmy Walker has the most strokes gained total of any player at this event, followed by Charlie Hoffman, Aaron Badley, Ryan Moore, and Ryan Palmer. Ryan Palmer has only played at, or Ryan Moore has only played it three times in that stretch and come top 20 with two top 10s each of those times. That's interesting to see. Chris Kirk has played this tournament pretty well or pretty poorly, uh, depending on the year that you can catch him. So it'd be a nice way for him to get himself in. Brendan Grace has two top 10s, has not played here since 2017, however. Grace is going on the shortlist for me in this event. Uh, party Marty Laird, uh, just someone who has his events. And if it's going to get windy, it's going to be good for him. Has not missed the cut uh, for his four past four starts. Matt Kuchar's made the, made the cut five seasons in a row. So has Brennan Steele. Spieth, a second and a 30th at this event. Spieth will also push down the odds of a lot of people. See, woo, has made the cut three times in a row. So is GMAC. What else? Hoffman and Badley, five times in a row. More five times in a row. Kevin Chappell, four times in a row. Palmer was really good at this event, like I mentioned, with the three top tens, three top six finishes, but has been cut his past two turns at this event. Sean O'Hare out of nowhere with a T2. So the last time we play it, how have those guys done over time? So when we look at like a repeater in 2019, although the field was a little bit stronger that year because you could get yourself into the Masters, only Ryan Moore had consecutive top 10s. Everyone else inside the top 10, except for Ben Ann, had played the year previous. Only one of them had missed the cut. So that's interesting to see the year before that at 2018. Uh, no one who was in the top 10 that year was actually in the top 10 the year before. So a lot of year-over-year -year volatility at this tournament outside of a few different people. How has Chapel been playing? I feel like I saw see him pop up every now, like every few, I was 13th at the Honda. Look at that. 
A lot of, a lot of good putting for him. But other than that top 13, I guess T23 at Sanderson Farms, T25 at Pebble Beach in 2020. So it's been a really bad run for Kevin Chappell. Maybe there's a spot where he can get it all back together. Who knows? Kevin Chappell. Cam Davis, I'm going to throw on the short list, too. I just like Cam Davis. Maybe this is a spot for Abraham Answer. He really broke our hearts by Lou. It looked like he was just cruising uh, at the match play. And then, yeah, he was really good at Honda. Bad around the greens. He's been bad around the greens lately. Like, especially bad, even, like, throughout the longer course of what he's been doing. And, I mean, three of those have been Florida events. Maybe you get him out of Florida and he looks a little bit better. Who knows? Uh, but it's nice to see that the overall ball striking returned at Honda for him. A lot of this is just going to come down to the longer odds that you want to take for this event. Like, if Bradley, Davis, Steele, Champ, HV3 all open, like, 55 to 1 or plus, that just might be the card this week. And to say, fuck it, maybe you can... You can, maybe you can get one of those guys into contention. Maybe get two of them into contention. Get a nice each way or a top five, top ten play on them. Then you have a decent bankroll for Augusta if you want to take a big shot or two near the top. This really does feel like a year where someone from the top is going to do well. Danny Willett is another name to pay attention to. Uh, he's in this event, was playing well. It's been windy in Putacana. Obviously, it's not the greatest field strength, but if it is windy, you always like Danny at harder tournaments when the wind gets up. Was T31 at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Good ball striking week for him. This seems like a tournament where he could end up playing well. Has he played this event? Valero, no, but he has two top two made cuts at the Valspar over the years. So that's coming up at the end of April this time around. Uh, DraftKings-wise for this me, for this week, for me, would it shock you to know that it was another losing week in the $200 single entry? And I thought it was going to be a huge winning week. I, I try not to check DraftKings after the first few days, but I was top 10 after day one. I was top 20 after day two. And even midway through day three of the match play, I was doing great. The team was dusting. Well, okay, the team, most of my teams had Hatton and Day, so that blew them up right away. But I was like, hey, I can get a four of six through here, and I'm looking good. And Dustin, because Hatton is out, you know, he's just going to roll through this entire side of the bracket. Uh, and then it didn't really turn out that way, uh, as everyone, it seemed. There was a few of you I saw with Horschel tickets, uh, so I hope that can actually cash for you. That'd be pretty cool. And a couple people had, like, three guys into the final four, had four guys into the final eight. Like, just having that, it's going to be a big score. And that's all I was thinking. It was like, I don't care if my top two guys are red. If I can get four to move on and get, like, two of those guys into the round of eight, one into the final four, I'm going to cash this week, and it's going to be great. And then things really went south for me, <laughs> that lineup and all my lineups. So I only had one of six guys make it through, and that was fucking Fratelli, uh, who was probably the lowest. I was like, oh, good. If Fratelli can go on a little bit of a run here, I have an outright bet on him. I have him to finish in the final four, and I have him this main DraftKings lineup and a lot of DraftKings lineup that I'm going to win this week. No. Did not turn out that way as he got absolutely pummeled in the round of 16. But I had Dustin, Day and Hatton were done after day two. So I was like, all right, let's write those guys off. But everyone else had a chance to advance. Dustin did not advance. He lost to Kevin Na after Kevin Na got him real rattled. I'm going to be talking about that with Jeff on Monday's show because I found it highly entertaining. And Jeff really seemed to be triggered by it, which I always enjoy. Um, what else? Answer, lost in the playoff. Thanks a lot, Abe, because it looked like you were fucking cruising. And then he got, he just had a terrible back nine in the third round matchup and just got bounced. And Streelman beat him. And that's the end of that story. But Answer seems like he's getting really close. He just needs it all to come together for him. Had a nice 
nice run at the Masters back in November, too. I think people forget that because the final round was not all that great. Houston could be a nice spot for him, though. Who else was that lineup? Fratelli was in it. He actually made it through. And then I had Matthew Wolf. Matthew Wolf was really the linchpin between me having a really good week on DraftKings and me not having a really good week. All he had to do was win uh, against Matthew Fitzpatrick, and then he could get himself into that playoff with Spieth. And we just saw so many upsets. I thought... On the betting market, it would be an upset because Wolf hadn't played in a while and everyone was on Spieth, but he was by far the higher seed over Spieth. Uh, He actually had a nice rally, and he was two down with two left against Spieth on the Thursday and won one to get himself that draw to make himself eligible for for the third round to get through. But obviously, he ended up losing the Matthew Fitzpatrick, too. So it went from a situation where I was like, I'm going to win a ton this week, to I'm not doing so hot. Uh, So I lost money on DraftKings. It brings me to minus $1,600 in the $200. So the way that this ended up coming about, me playing it every single week, was at the Sony, I won a bunch of money in the $100 single entry, and I think I won $1,700 that week. So I'm almost out of that money. That's the reason why I ended up playing the $200 every week. Tried to up my game. Turns out, I am not good enough to be playing in this tournament, because my lineups fucking suck every single week. So, coming into this week, I need to have a good week at Valero. I actually need to redeposit for the first time since January, because all that nice money for my Sony opening winnings are going to be gone. Uh, I might need, like, an MMA week to help get me through. Cody was fucking fire this week on the betting card. So that was nice to offset a lot of losses. Like I always say, watch the Dogger Pass podcast on Mayo Media Network so you can win some money to lose it all back on the golf show. Uh, but that's where we're at DraftKings-wise. Uh, if I don't win this week, I might have to scale back a little bit and just start playing the $100 to like curb my losses a little bit. Don't tell my wife, by the way. That will do it on the Pat Mayo Experience. First look and research for the Valero Texas Open. Listener's League link. Just hit the description. It's all down there. The Listener's League link, the link to play in the new one and done at fangolfchampionships.com. The newsletter link, you can get into all the giveaways for that, plus the Masters swag that's coming up and maybe some exclusive content in that newsletter as well. Other than that, smash the like, give me your early lean, and that will do it for me. Thank you all for watching. I'll see you next time. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com